perfection is such an illusion or the typical definition of it. And in the pain and pleasure of life, the messiness, there is perfection in everything. It's Mm-hmm. We are perfect upon arrival, I think. And like And that's why you should pick yourself. Yeah, pick that's yourself. <laughs> yeah. Welcome your majesty to the Princess Project podcast. I'm your host Cassidy Cagney and I'm an LA princess. For what is a princess if not a leader? And what is a leader if not someone who advocates for change? Here to empower, equip, and inspire our future feminine leaders. This kingdom welcomes royals of all kinds. So whether you're a prince or a princess, a king or a queen, or any royal in between, put on your crown and pull up your seat, for the podcast is about to begin. Welcome, Your Majesty, to the Princess Project Podcast. I'm your host, Cassidy Cagney, and I'm an L.A. princess helping you to live your royal life. Today, I am joined by Madison Davis, and I am so excited for you to meet her. We have been friends of friends of friends (laughs) for quite a couple of years, but now we finally live close enough to foster our own friendship, and I am so excited about that. Every time we get together, we f- <laughs> we always talk about like the deep stuff, you know what I mean? We have so much fun, but we always get back to these conversations of of depth and juiciness. So, uh, she was a wonderful wonderful guest to have on the show, and she's got this um theater company that she just opened. They just had their first official production, uh which I went to go see the other week and Oh my goodness, the stuff this girl has put together is incredible. I'm so excited for her and her future. I just want to let you get to know her um, because she is definitely a princess, a leader, and an artist in the most beautiful, beautiful ways. An artist of friendship, perhaps. (laughs) This week... Madison was absolutely the shining star that we needed to help us feel a little bit better. Um, Not just about where we're going, but how far we have come individually. And she was just a great reminder to have fun while you're learning. And that was really important for me to hear this week. And so without any further ado, may I introduce you to Madison Davis. good how are you I'm good I'm so happy that you could be here today I know we were gonna um do your interview a little while later but I'm really happy that we pushed it up dude this last week has been honestly since the overturning of Roe v Wade oh things have been (laughs) so heavy and so emotional it feels like every day yeah no every day I click on Instagram or Facebook or even the news <laughs> and it's just like oh oh no I don't want to be here <laughs> I know so it's really nice to have you on um after last week last week's episode was a doozy oh, um yeah. yeah last week's episode I was I was gonna do something else and talk about uh defending my position mm-hmm. and the framework of the argument but I was like, everybody, everybody fucking knows everybody <laughs> they are and wherever they stand on that. Um, so we talked more about like why we're here. Mm-hmm. But in doing that, it was a really emotional, heavy episode. And part of why we're here is to have fun and yes. be together in a positive way. So I'm really happy mm. that you're here. You're one of like the most sunshiny people I know (laughs) I guess that's kind of true of most of my friends which is wonderful Mm because I want I want everybody to meet my to meet my friends so that being said how long how long have we known each other I know we've recently become much closer friends yeah I think each other for a number of years I think we have yeah it's been I think 2018 I I knew you were 
in a show. Was it Twelfth Night? Twelfth Night? Was that Twelfth Night? Yes. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> Night. Yep. And um, I didn't see it, but like I oh. ran into you. I know. Well, I mean, I just knew you were the lead, you know. And I ran into you and your cast down in Pismo Beach. And mm-hmm. I said, hey, hi. <laughs> you run into people when you live in San Luis Obispo. You run yeah. into people on the beach. That's all the time. <laughs> Synchronicities are flying. Other places, you run into people at the grocery store. San Luis Obispo, you run into people at yep. the beach. Oh, yeah. my friend. So, yeah, I ran into you. And, you know, I was like, I want to get to know her. I-, I saw you at PCTA when you were Wendy in oh. Peter Pan. Oh, so you're like, what is she 14? <laughs> no, but I definitely remember I knew you were a student at PCPA and you were playing mm. Wendy. For those of you who don't know, PCPA is a Pacific Conservatory of the Performing Arts, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, major, major acting school, highly coveted, um, incredibly impacted. You know, you do not have a, a big class at all. And since you're performing with professional actors as well as your professors, for a student to get a role like Wendy, you know she's legit. Oh, you know what I mean? (laughs) Did have that on my vision board. (laughs) You did. I did. (laughs) You're a manifester then. Just a little manifester. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So thanks. Thanks for the celebration of that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then ever since, you've just been, you've just been killing the game even to now having your own your own theater company so thank you for uh we we just love to chat so we got a little (laughs) ahead of ourselves which is wonderful why not but let's talk a little bit um so for those yeah uh for those of our listeners who don't know you yet madison davis um who are you my friend can you give our our listeners a little bit of background about who you are what you do and um what you're hoping for yeah okay i'm madison davis maddie davis for sure (laughs) hi hi what's up i am an actor now an artistic director of a theater company and i also uh (laughs) i also teach dance and now i'm teaching kids acting starting in august so it's kind of a new uh mishmash of all the things i love around theater and yeah and I live in Los Angeles. That is so beautiful. Being a theater practitioner, I, I was just talking about this to someone else. I wouldn't consider myself an actor anymore mm. um, because for a long time, I thought I had to be just one thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. But now I'm like, I'm a theater practitioner because mm. there's so many different components and elements that I, uh, that I do. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up, always having assignments or like projects in school where it's like what do you want to be when you grow up never knew what to say and I knew like actor wasn't exactly it (laughs) but like it's so funny like I feel like creative people like grow up just knowing that what they do is just so many more things than just a singular role it's like multi-hyphenate but they want you to in general, just to make it easier for other people to understand, they want you to simplify it into one word. And I'm like, no, no, No. excuse me. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that's great. But it gives you so much more freedom to uh, explore. And that's, you know, that's why Mm. it's called a play, right? We're playing, we're exploring, we're supposed to try new things. Mm -hmm. Um, And by letting go of the label of I'm an actor mm-hmm. really helped me do that yeah Ooh, and it's also interesting I was like listening to this uh lecture about the verb to be like passive verbs and like mm-hmm. saying I am an actor is like so passive like what does that what does it mean being an actor is so much more than one thing um and for those of us who are young in the theater because I grew up I did my first play when I was six and then Mm. never stopped you know Mm. and I don't think I'll ever officially like retire even though I'm not um 
I don't feel like I'm actively pursuing quote acting in the mm. same way or at least in the traditional way. Mm. Uh, so when you're young and you want to simplify it to one thing or for those mm. who are maybe not theater practitioners or artists, um, it's kind of like, oh, you're a director, you're in charge. Actor, you are not in charge. Yep. If you're an actor, <laughs> you're an employee. <laughs> Yeah, director, you're in charge. And that's kind of, um, that was really disempowering for me. What about you? Oh, yeah, I I think like any moment where I felt like I was supposed to be fulfilled from an acting role or a project, it would ultimately come down to like, do I feel a part of this project? Do I feel like Mm. some higher force is saying, okay, you're lucky to be here. You do exactly what you know you're told you're you're told would ultimately not be fulfilling if that was the the space created uh-huh. on set or in production fulfillment is an interesting word as well <laughs> I love this because um I love when I kind of like disagree with guests um mm, so yeah. tell me yeah let's just dis- let's disagree let's talk about let's it let's go uh, <laughs> what the hell is fulfillment what does that mean? Yeah, I guess like when I say it, I mean like a desire fulfillment. You're like, oh, I've been dreaming about this thing. And like, I don't know, mm. like love for myself and like, like ultimate connection with like other high quality artists or people I really respect. Like I will, you know, have access to like, I don't know, more freedom or mm-hmm. it'll be like financially like energizing and like energetically energizing like at the same time I don't know like for me I guess I, I think I got you yeah okay so <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I think that's so funny I don't know if I believe in fulfillment mm-hmm. even even I mean I understand what you're saying yeah um about that everything works and it's done and but I feel like <laughs> the journey like has to be the heart of the fulfillment too I don't feel like it's the top of the mountain you want to get to it's like Mm -hmm. the climbing of the mountain and that's what they all tell like when you're going to acting school or whatever that's what your your professors always tell you and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but it's really hard to find that in practice because uh we were actually talking about this the other week on the podcast Mm. it's all about community Mm. and if you're not doing whatever you're doing with the right people Mm -hmm. it's all for naught yeah it doesn't it doesn't um fulfill me at least if I'm not friends with those people I see every day whether that Mm -hmm. is um you know teaching in a classroom and working with a principal and other (laughs) teachers that I really admire respect and can even have fun with or doing a play same same idea with other actors or a director that Mm -hmm. I can um relate to as well as know that I am in a positive environment yeah no a good culture (laughs) right even if the play is like uber significant like the play like the text and even if everybody is a wildly fantastic actor I will not care and I won't want to be there if the relationship is not um cultivated Mm -hmm. that's something else that took me out of acting too um, because yeah. I knew I that the culture in theater, boy, that's a whole another discussion, but let's have it. Yeah. <laughs> let's have culture it. Culture in theater can be so toxic as well as just harmful. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a student or a young person or someone who's actively doing it professionally, mm-hmm. when you add in elements like um extreme competitiveness, yeah, or force. Mm. or if you really do feel like you're not a part of the conversation yeah that's something I've I felt like yeah the battle becomes about egos yeah like yeah instead of like this quest together of like how do we best tell this story together how do we yeah together how do we best 
serve this story? How do we best reach an audience? I feel like I've rarely had spaces that have you know, served in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I wanted to go into more leadership positions in acting just to like, or not in acting, in theater. Because when I have had those experiences where it's not just a battle of egos or uh, like artistic uh, genius, <laughs> it's like, oh, there's like, we don't have to make anything happen and we don't have to like fight. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a different type of battle and we can do it all together together right and once I learned I was valuable Mm -hmm. I started advocating for myself in a way that was absolutely shocking to Mm -hmm. people and so when I was Viola right yeah um I was very vocal about uh how I wanted to be treated and I I made sure that I had a place in the conversation Usually with actors and the culture as it is set up right now, systemically, actors are not usually welcome to the table of the discussion. It's directors yeah. and designers make all of the decisions. And then the actors are the puppets or the clay that just are the moving parts. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. if we're talking about theater as a chessboard, the actors are the pieces and the director is the player. And I don't want to do that. No. (laughs) Going to Cal Poly and being a part of student-run productions, I learned that not only can I be a part of the conversation and more than somebody else's art, but Mm -hmm. that is um, what they're hiring me to do. So Mm -hmm. now when I get hired as a professional actor, I think to myself, they're not hiring me because I look like the character should look or whatever they're hiring me for my input and if I don't give my input then I'm not doing my job yeah you're not collaborating they're Mm -hmm. they're gonna find someone else to (laughs) but in that that vein I've been in rooms where like rooms of fellow actors who all happen to be male and told (laughs) you cannot you cannot continue doing this or you will be fired or never hired again You got to just make it work with whatever the director says. You got to figure it out. Mm. And I was like, Mm. no, that was definitely the training I got. Like I, you know, I never, I never come up against people to get my voice heard in those ways. I usually like observe and go home and be like, oh, I don't like that. I'm not coming back. But like, (laughs) you know, like I remember audition for them again. Yeah. So like, I guess like same energy different different uh yeah different way but like yeah in actor training before PCPA the acting conservatory um the training I got was whatever the director's note is like you go home and you make it work it's not going through your filtration system it's like it's not a discussion it's yeah and I, I think when I was younger like that was the majority of time when I was doing theater and dance and like musical theater I just wanted to be the A plus student. I wanted mm. to get hired, to get cast, to be directable. Like, you wanted like, someone to pick you. Yeah. But you never thought about picking yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's been more my journey of just realizing, like, oh my God, like every time I've gotten picked or whatever, I'm like, oh, I still don't pick myself. So, yeah. Now, even back to the fulfillment thing, it was like, oh, I'm playing the wrong game. Like, this is not my game. Yeah. And everything is a game, which is why we (laughs) can have fun with everything, right? Yeah. No, and I had fun in my own way. Like, getting picked feels so good. Yeah. (laughs) It feels like validation for a second. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when the show is over, or even if the director gives you a note, which, say, you struggle with. Mm Mm-hmm you always, at least for me, I always felt very much like I had to constantly prove myself. And that Mm. acceptance was conditional Mm. about whether or not I could do what I was told. And that Mm. really goes into also being a woman in general. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it's like to be a male actor. (laughs) But I think that those um, expectations in theater Mm-hmm. are a lot more similar to what women are expected to do in real life. Mm-hmm. I know that male actors, because I've heard male actors 
say damaging things in rehearsal. Like I remember this one time, uh, we were doing, we were doing something in rehearsal and a male actor said, oh yeah, I can do anything. I have no boundaries. And I just thought to myself, honey, you're going to get so hurt. <laughs> like you are not protecting yourself. Flying a little too close to the sun, but not. <laughs> right. And everybody has boundaries. Yeah. But whether or not you care to acknowledge them or figure out what yours are, mm-hmm. you're going to get a, you're going to end up getting hurt. Right. Oof. Right. Mm-hmm. So at least I imagine as a man, maybe that would be your experience as an actor. But when you leave the uh, rehearsal room as a man, you have a lot more say and a lot more choices about your daily life. Whereas for Mm -hmm. me as a woman, it felt impacted and impounded on me on a daily basis to the point where if I didn't pick myself every day, my mental health was trash. But you, my friend, are picking yourself, choosing yourself so hard. And I love that for you. You made a theater company. Tell me about your theater company. Oh my gosh. um, How it was birthed. The theater company. Yes, it is birthed. I actually, just in a fun, fun little fact, um, my theater company has a, an astrological birth chart that I uh, love and <laughs> got it when I did my got my employer identification number I was like oh wait now it has a birthday the Vale <laughs> Theater Company birthed this uh, last year in 2022 I was working up north at the melodrama theater love the melodrama mm-hmm. and um I just had this all, all these different parts that were floating around in my yeah, in my desires of like wanting community in LA, wanting uh, live experiences and uh, playful energy within mm-hmm. the acting community and writing. And um, the name is Vale Theater Company and it's spelled like a V-E-I-L, like a veil that you like uncover. But originally it was going to be V-A-L-E because I wanted it to be a place like a, a valley or a veil like the physical oh. dip you know because I was like oh outdoor theater like this is a safe space for you know people to feel the valleys of their grief and oh my gosh emotions that so there is beautiful <laughs> thank you yeah and I was like this is that's what the energy is so it's originally going to be that and then my friend Simon, who did all my brand development with me and designed my website, he was advising me like that meaning can still be there, but I think you should really lean into the like lifting of a veil and, mm-hmm. um, you know, letting the audience be a fly on the wall and in just discussing what kind of plays we want to do. That was like, okay, you know, let's jump full with the veil. Uh, v- I, I think that's beautiful. Thank I you. Think that's beautiful. And isn't that what we're what we hope to do in theater is to uncover, learn more about like our human condition? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh that's beautiful. Thank you. And it's yeah, I feel like it's an aesthetical approach to what we're all doing. Like even if we're aware of it or not, it's like, yeah, always wanting to get closer to the raw truth and like mm-hmm like body of water that we're like should we dive into (laughs) like let's muddy it and um yeah I also wanted to give access to that like not only to to audience members but to actors and writers artists you know everyone's an artist but people who wanted like work on the craft themselves so we also have ongoing artist development memberships uh and yeah those funds to the programs of the actors arena and the writers collective those go straight to the theater making girl okay tell me more about those yeah it's a it's a monthly like Mm -hmm. like so do you sign up for like a year or you can go every month as you have material yes yeah so it's a monthly commitment 
it's very, very affordable. You can look on our website, but um, it's weekly meetings. And for the Actors Arena, it's viewpoints-based work. Mm. So very collaborative, um, imaginative play spaces. And um, about every month, we're working with new themes and new materials, kind of what wants to come forward for the group of actors working. And then, yeah, so that's more performance and like confidence, self-expression in the physical body and um, yeah, connecting with an audience. And then the Writers Collective is more like a rotating writer circle. And um, that's led by my friend, Andrew, Andrew Sego. He's an amazing screenwriter and mm. yeah. So it can be any kind of writing, not it can just be playwriting. Yes, it can be any kind of writing based on like getting group feedback and then working through different mediums with Andrew. Um, I think depending. that's so valuable, providing opportunities for variety. Mm-hmm. Being flexible with art, that art doesn't have to be just one thing or just because we label it as theater or whatever, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it needs to be the end point. Yeah. No, whatever the story needs. Got. Yeah. That's yeah. We can work with what we got. And like, for me, I, I find like whenever someone asks me like, what kind of things do you like to write? I'm like, I, like, I don't know. It's just like whatever wants, it like wants to turn into. I, that is so exciting. Do you, you. Uh, hope to produce some shows that are written in the writer's circle? Yes, I do. We have, um, so the Writers Collective, once it grows in size, there's going to be a monthly table read of someone's work um, or a poetry circle, but um, we haven't gotten there yet. And then um, come in January, we'll do like a 10-minute play festival and just have everyone Ooh. give their best shot at telling a story in 10 minutes. That sounds Making, like so much fun. Yeah, just fun. Celebrating that we have so many stories we want to tell. And the only reason why we don't want to tell them is because we have this, this block of expressing. Even though there's, we can just sing a melody think? and see. Yeah. Oh, I lo- put that on a t-shirt. Put that on a t-shirt. Oh. Sing a melody and see. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> so sweet. Or like on a plaque and hang it in your in your theater building Ooh, yeah. um that that is so beautiful my friend I'm so excited for you thank you thank you you're gonna ask something I, I I'll, I'll ask something no you're gonna ask something. I'll have to do some squats to prepare oh like, yeah sure. <laughs> no no oh last thing I'll say about this before before we move on because I have other yeah. questions for you um community we always talk about community Mm. and obviously that's something that's really important for Mm. for us that's part of why I'm making the podcast and building a kingdom because uh, (laughs) you know community is everything if you don't have um, Mm. your community your friends uh, people you can count on relate to and share with Mm -hmm. it's all for not but community is not just the audience you know, mm-hmm. community is also everybody in the play. You spend a lot more time with the people in the play than you do with the audience who might mm-hmm. see your show once, maybe a few times, <laughs> but, um, prioritizing those who are there every rehearsal is also a major part of that. Cause why, why mm. should we get together if we don't love each other? Yeah. What? We're just doing it for the money. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness so how do you um because you in your last play yeah would you consider because I went to your last show it was awesome thank you and I really <laughs> enjoyed again the variety mm-hmm. so building that community would you say that you um what role did you really feel that you fulfilled in that show because it wasn't a traditional mm-hmm. play there was no script it was um kind of like a little variety show yeah but obviously you're still the head of the theater (laughs) company so tell me a little bit about um what you learned about leadership through Mm. that experience oh yeah yeah leadership in an artistic sense I was like I really just want people to tell the story that's coming through for them right now and I want to support them to do that as best 
as I can. Um, so I called it my little mosaic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and like community, that was such a big pillar of importance for me is like making sure everyone felt welcomed and everyone felt mm-hmm. safe to be seen and heard and um, a yes. part of something. Yeah. Instead yes. of like, oh, I have to do this all by myself. Like, oh, like what a daunting task. It's like, no, there are so many people who want to help you and create with you. And yeah, a moment can be filled with just that connection and community and be electric. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And not- that can be the reason. Yep. Uh-huh. Like that's deep. a good reason. And maybe we yeah. have other reasons at the same time. But if that's it, mm-hmm. that's very worth doing. That's worth it. Yeah. The thing that kept going through my head through the production and like through the rehearsals was like, yeah, and that's goes out in the real world too. It's like we're responsible for how we forge connections between characters and ideas and between each other. And it gives other people the permission slip to do the same thing and to explore community yeah yeah I think where I'm going with with my creative endeavors now Mm -hmm. um the priority on community for me means friendship Mm. and I think that that is something I will never divorce from the rest of what I do because frankly growing up I did not feel very secure in my friendships. I Mm. experienced a lot of bullying growing up and I didn't experience a friend group that was reliable Mm. through the long term. Yeah. I felt like the friend groups I was a part of kind of um, formed and then dissolved, you know, over life. Out of circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens, especially mm-hmm. in theater when your show ends and then you don't see those people in the <laughs> same room together ever again. That um, variability in friendship mm-hmm. and connections being, I mean, obviously every friendship is ever changing just as the people in them are. Mm-hmm. But I value that in a way now that is significant to how I play out my adulthood Mm -hmm. knowing the friendship hurt or loss that I have felt that I experienced growing up that I want to just um build and connect even Mm -hmm. people who aren't me like I I really value other people being friends even if I'm not a part (laughs) of it yeah and that really I think makes me a really good teacher yeah like I prioritize in my classroom the kids making friends with each other (laughs) yeah and then they'll want to come to school yeah whenever I've been in a like directing position or even teaching it's like I'll just like watch from afar like people having like vibrant conversations and connecting and I'm like hmm nice Nice. <laughs> yes, good. I'm like, I'm not going to insert myself, even though I enjoy. The like you're the reason on. that that interaction was facilitated. Mm. You know, if you weren't teaching the class, if you, because when you're a teacher, a big part of your job is breaking the ice for others. Mm, yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in a class where it's just sit down, be quiet, do your own work. That's a really different experience than being in a classroom, even just where the teacher allows you to talk in your free time. My favorite teacher I had, I only had her for a quarter of ninth grade. She wouldn't let us raise our hand in class. It was just like a big discussion all together. And just energetically, it was like everyone participated in a different way. It wasn't like a, may I speak or like, like it's just whatever wanted to come through and Mm -hmm. I was much more extroverted in that class than (laughs) any other class because you don't feel so much put on the spot it feels Uh a lot more like a we than an I yeah oh that's a great way to put it Mm -hmm. I never I when I set up my classrooms I don't do it proscenium style I don't think I ever will (laughs) when I taught art uh for the past year 
I made one big table mm-hmm. and all of the kids and nobody has assigned seats, but every day you just come and you sit at a seat at the big table. And so we're all facing each other, staying next to each other. And I mm-hmm. sit at the same table with them. Like, I'm not going to go sit at a podium. Yeah. What fun is that? Yeah, not for you. It's not for you. <laughs> no, that's, that's not for me. When but I again, teach- cultivating a we, yeah. which is what exactly mm-hmm. what you are doing with your theater company, which is so incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I, I find a lot of parallels with the three and four-year-olds I teach. I teach the youngest at this dance studio, and <laughs> you have to start the class in a circle. Otherwise, you can't teach them anything yeah they're like running around (laughs) and like not gonna follow along and even with older kids Mm -hmm. I I think the circle idea is so incredibly valuable and I don't know why at a certain point we decide oh they're too old for that Mm -hmm. and we stop and we basically cut that opportunity Mm-hmm. Even just to look at others and be looked at. Because when you're in a circle, everybody's looking at everybody. And it's kind of a unspoken understanding. Mm-hmm. But again, makes a we. And after uh-huh. a couple of days of standing in a circle with the same people, the fear of looking or being seen does dissipate after time Mm -hmm. after the repetitive notion of just being together yeah it's like a new definition of like okay I can Mm -hmm. do this (laughs) and that's so important for any kind of learning whether you're in the writer's circle or the actor's arena yes (laughs) arenas are circles too Uh uh-huh occasionally oval shaped occasionally yeah no and the games we play like start from a circle like well we start like meeting in a circle like okay tell me where you're at today what's what's coming through but then like the games we play they usually take on different shapes or grids and it's so interesting like yeah to even think about like oh a square that like brings up so many different elements of power and like how Uh we move you know like so artistically it's so interesting to explore but then like when you look at it in the real world, world, real world, you see like, this is just, just a different game. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. not about um, the we, I guess. When we're talking about your community in your theater, your theater company, yeah. what are the age ranges of the people uh, involved? Yeah. So it's mainly 18 to 25 24 great so yeah young adults I am developing a teen 90 day workshop it's very early stages but definitely like I I teach a lot of little kids and then the adults are part of the theater company so uh, the um so 18 to 25 mostly for now is the theater company and then you Mm -hmm. go to the dance studio which is not connected um but still in the theater world yeah, to teach the littles. Yes, yeah, and the, I teach as old as eighteen, but they're mainly like six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like the the summer before I start teaching in the fall again. I have been building the curriculum in the most non traditional way, <laughs> and it's like very exciting. So I've talked about astrology like Venus and like Venetian energy is like seeing the beauty in other people. Like everyone you meet has something you see as beautiful. And I was like, Aww. oh, that's something I feel like we can really cultivate. And like this space can be safe for us to, you know, that ability to see beauty in ourselves and others. And uh, so, yeah, just different exercises and what a perfect place yeah. to do exactly that than a dance class. Yeah, getting into the abstract of like, what, how do we tell the story? How do we move our body in a way that feels good? And that right. feels poetic, feels like something that excites us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and especially with your body and the beauty in your own body, as well as someone else's, while we live in a capitalistic, consumeristic mm-hmm. I don't know if consumeristic is a word, but (laughs) a culture where beauty in my body is dependent on how much I edit it. 
with uh-huh. makeup or workout equipment I buy or even mm-hmm. like say uh, cosmetic surgeries, even things like braces, uh-huh. you know, uh, it's all dependent on how I edit myself. Uh-huh. And what's Resident true dance. beauty to you? Yeah, like true beauty to you is going to look different than than that, you know, all these edits that you can make. And like true bo- body positivity feels different than than editing. Right? Yes. I'm so happy for you. That is so incredible. Thank As you. As we were talking about that, no matter what kind of teaching you do, if it's traditional or dance or whatever, I think it's important to acknowledge that Anyone who is drawn to any kind of teaching at all, any kind of situation where you are passing down information, knowledge, whatever, mm-hmm. anyone who feels drawn to teaching in any capacity is a leader naturally. Mm-hmm. You have I, that within you. I believe that. Yeah. And if you ever, if you ever feel compelled to, to teach anyone, anything that's, that's something you're born with that should tell you, Hey, I can lead and I'm supposed to lead. I'm meant to lead. Um, and as women, that's really important for us to know (laughs) because while a lot of times we're expected to be teachers because most teachers are women. Yes. Yeah. We are still not expected to lead. And we come into a lot of conflict when we do try to lead. Mm-hmm. is that I, oh, wild oh my god no just hearing you say that I was like oh for the longest time I'd feel so embarrassed for knowing more than other people in a room uh-huh. or like <laughs> yeah like even given the like podium to teach or to be heard to direct in high school like uh-huh. there would be like this secret embarrassment like oh I shouldn't know all of this or like oh like but it's like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah feeling embarrassed like all that energy is, you know, it's fine, but it's like channel that into like creating something with people. Like, and where is that coming from? Where is that mm-hmm. embarrassment coming from? Is that really coming from you? I had an or <laughs> maybe forces outside of you that say, mm, women shouldn't really be in charge. Women shouldn't really lead. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not true. I think a lot of women mm-hmm. are natural born leaders and leadership is a skill you can develop, but there is a certain level of natural ability that comes with it that we don't really think of as an asset. Yeah. You have where, leadership listed on your resume. Leadership on my resume? Yeah. Uh, like when in your job resume, special skills, do you have leadership or leadership uh, skills listed on your resume? Yeah. My work resume is kind of old, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> Got it. I know. Yeah. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Why isn't leadership on your resume? That's a, that's a real question. You know, why, why do we discount ourselves or why do we not appreciate what we actually bring to the table? Mm -hmm. Like whoever told you, you couldn't be a leader. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember feeling so ashamed for quote unquote being disorganized or, you know, having a different structure than what made sense to normal curriculum or yeah, leadership has different energy than just, oh, it's perfect or it looks the way we're used to. Fighting perfectionism is a big, a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, the way that I struggled with perfectionism and I would also say my generation, the way that we struggle with perfectionism is so different than how people, young people today are dealing with the same thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, it was push, 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 force, force, force. Mm -hmm. And technically it happened. But I was a wreck. Yeah. I was a wreck. Hardly, hardly even, I would say, living. Yeah. And what I'm seeing from my students now, as I, as I see them struggle with perfectionism, it's a lot more like 
I'll never be good enough. So why even bother? Yeah, I see the lack of trying in myself and students. And that's like emotional for me to see in other people because I've experienced that. Like, oh, it's going to look not perfect. (laughs) And that's too scary. And who even gets to say what perfection is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I something I've had to think a lot about, especially during COVID is like perfection is such an illusion or the typical definition of it. And in the pain and pleasure of life, the messiness and, you know, synchronous beauty or like moments, it's like there is perfection in everything. It's mm-hmm. we are perfect upon arrival, I think. And like, and that's why you should pick yourself. Yeah, pick that's yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I think any other version of perfection or any other definition is just trying to hold on to our our attachments right and your vision can change you know Mm -hmm. how you envision it is allowed is allowed to change you know you're not going to disappoint or surprise anybody if you change your mind you're supposed to change Mm -hmm. yeah they say every seven years your body is made up of completely new cells yeah because you shed cells (laughs) I'm going to be a new person pretty soon. I got a couple more years. Got a couple more years. Yep. And then I'll be a whole new person. That's so crazy to think about. Embracing change has really helped me to to combat my perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And I would say also relieve a lot of my personal emotional suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, Resistance I have found is like (laughs) the biggest obstacle with uh, perfection. So maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's the thing. Maybe perfection is the absence of change. And that's why it's so unattainable because (laughs) we're people and we have to change. You have to say yes. Yeah. Yes. And yes. And (laughs) you ever envision, I wanted to ask you that your, um, veil theater having an improv, uh, section. Ooh. Oh, so I know you're an improv queen. Yes, I did do UCB. I loved it so much and I definitely want to go back. But yeah, I haven't really thought of improv being like actively a part of it. But, you know, Actors Arena is definitely improv based. Mm. But one of the shows I did have in mind was complete audience participation based, you know, not full improv. Oh, yeah. But like. Tell me more. That sounds me- juicy. <laughs> You know, in um, Cabaret, like the host. Yeah. Like, I forget his name. Like some. The MC. The MC. Yes. The MC. Having that kind of catalyst for improv. I love it. Uh Uh-huh. So not just like get an audience suggestion, but like what's going on right here. Let's spin (laughs) it together. Like it's forbidden to do. And yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm so I'm so happy for you, my Thank friend. You. you really are picking yourself. You're picking your community specifically. Mm-hmm. And you really are choosing. Like, I feel like this is the start of you really choosing the life you want mm-hmm. that you've always desired. And now <laughs> you're letting yourself have it. And that's, that's a miraculous thing that some people some people never get there in life. No, I get that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I went through the underworld and back. Just <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, now I get to just trek on this new journey, and I feel like I'm picking myself. <laughs> yes. Oh, my friend. For those listeners who might be driving, or because I'm gonna link all of your stuff in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those of us who might be uh, on the road, or you know, don't have internet uh close by where can people find you Ooh, yes you can find me on instagram i am underscore m-a-d-i maddie underscore davis uh you can also keep up to date with the veil theater company on our instagram veil theater or our website has all of our information on our shows our next one's in november and our classes memberships are meeting every every wednesday and sunday so Veil theater. Join those memberships 
every, any time, like, would it be okay to join the second week of a month or something? Yes. Yeah. It's all rolling admission. So basically, yeah, your impulse to join is, yeah, right now. Lovely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. What a fun day. I always like talking to you, my friend. Oh, I know. It's so good. I feel like just invigorated and inspired. Thank you oh, for creating that. I have one more question. That's Ooh. really important. Now, this is <laughs> the, the ultimate question. Why we're all here. Um, my friend, what is one tip you would give for living your royal life? Ooh. Oh, that's such a juicy question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the best piece of advice or tips, the best tip I can give is to find what truly excites you in your body not just the idea of something and like oh in my head that looks good but like what what electrifies you and following that wherever it leads you yeah mind body connection right yeah your body knows your body knows oh yes she knows and it's just are you gonna listen to her or not Uh uh-huh yeah so just like listening to that and yeah finding the spaces where that is you know something you can do that's so lovely and you know what that is that is important advice that we don't get a lot Uh uh-uh no it's uh how can you check off the boxes (laughs) i know the checklist and uh very heady but heady heady yeah. Of mind and body. Mind and body. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Every time I talk to Maddie, I just get excited, excited about what I'm doing, what my friends are doing, excited about what we're going to do in the future, and honestly, just excited about making new friends that's why that's why we're here right um she makes me excited to branch out and learn new things try new things and to be an artist as i naturally am we can continue the conversation about perfectionism and art and life and community all over on social media at princess project podcast And if you enjoyed this show or if you believe in what we're doing here at the Princess Project Podcast, please remember to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help grow the podcast exponentially and we'll get an extra special shout-out on the pod. We will have tea and new episodes every Monday here at the castle. And until next time, go out there and live your royal life. Toodaloo!